tetragrammaton. Basically, London and London and LA, uh -huh. go back and forth. But I just follow the work of that period. But I think that period of my life, I want is stopping, just going with the work. It's essentially, my work being my wife. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and whatever she wants. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, but I, I don't know if I like that relationship anymore. You feel me? In the way that it's the been. working relationship, putting her before me. I see. When it's it's coming from me. Is it two-way? No. It's not? It's not, it's not. It's just the way I've set up the relationship is um, wherever she wants, wherever, all right, cool, this is what we've got to do. All right, cool, let's go there. And I've done it for basically 18 years. Career. And I can see it's taking this toll on me. Yeah. Because it's not reciprocal. Yeah, have you talked to her about it? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's why I went away. <laughs> I see. Um, the work, I mean, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I, that's why I went away to kind of go, this isn't all right. Like this isn't, it's not sustainable. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it got me to where I wanted to get to very quickly, which I think I wanted. And I think, but I'm looking at it and going, hmm, what do I want? You know what I mean? And I'm now realizing, especially after this kitchen process, I'm realizing, oh, this is all a reflection of me. Working is all a reflection of who I am yeah. and my character. Yeah. Not what I can do, it's who I am. Yeah. And um, if I'm not pouring into who I am, what am I doing? Do you feel like you're always in the characters you play? Yeah, of course. Like, I, I always feel like, how I've always seen acting is like, I'm using who I am to show you who I'm not. Say more about that. This guy's here, this character, this guy's here. I go, all right, cool. I go to him, yeah? And I find similarities. I find things that, oh, he's like me like this. He's like me, oh, that's how I can... So, cause I want to root it in something real mm -hmm. and present it and put on a patina and an aesthetic and a whole aura that isn't me. But cause it's rooted in something that I connect with. Do you know what I'm saying? It's rooted. It's like some, it's like difference between what I aim for. I don't give you a pot of plant and go here. I go, come look what I've grown. You feel me? How long does it take before you become the version that we get to see? I'll be like, probably a, a month. I'll probably lock my way, uh, lock myself off for a month. And I just, I just immerse <laughs> myself. I think about it, I kind of, they dance around it kind of, but I think I'm just getting intel and stuff and information. Oh, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that. And cool, when I, it just starts arriving real but, things. And, and, and this wouldn't be, what, we, what you're discussing isn't rehearsal. This is like you understanding who the person is in the context of this project. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's like kind of like, so when I'm on set, I'm not actually working, I'm presenting. You're just yeah. being? I'm being, I'm like, uh, I, I, it came from process. I learned this way because I, um, I did this play when I was 21 called Sucker Punch at Royal Court and then I was, like I was overweight and then like I got cast and they were like, is this guy gonna do it? It had to be a lightweight boxer. And I, I just was like, I'm gonna do it. And I'd never been slim in my life. And so I was like, all right, cool, I'm on it. Yeah. 
Then I got down to 11 stone. I can't remember what that's in pounds. Well, I lost 42 pounds in three months. Wow. How did you do that? Boxing, skipping. I sat down with a nutritionist with a British tennis team. And I just was nonstop. I was nonstop. And I had a, how I did that is I had a target. I had a purpose. Yeah. I had a reason. Yeah. Because if I did that now without the purpose, I wouldn't get there. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I, if I'm being real. Yeah. I had a, I had a reason that I connected with emotionally yeah. and I got there. Yeah. And then, um, but when I did that, when I then performed it, I was like, I am different. Like I didn't have to act. Yeah. It's coming from like, yo, I box. <laughs> like I skip yeah, yeah. every night. Like I was getting shin splints. And then the, in the block that I grew up with, you know, when they, there's a swings and then there's like the kind of soft bit of yeah. the swing. I had to skip on that yeah. to kind of do 30 minutes skipping every night. Cause I did this two minute monologue where I had to skip. And, re and act in, in the round and go and do tricks. Wow. So I would do 30 minutes every night. And the people I grew up with, I remember once I had had my headphones and listened to music, skipping, skipping, skipping. And then I didn't realize my boys I grew up with were behind me watching because my back was to them. And they looked at me and I turned around. They remember this is 10 o'clock at night. And they looked at me and I was like, this acting thing's serious for you, isn't it? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh. Because it's just dedication and then and then when I was playing the character, I didn't feel I was acting, I was being. Yeah. So then I, I found point. I found like a North Star and then I reached for that. That was a long process, three months. I was gifted in that. You don't you usually get that. Do you know what I'm saying? But um, now I always reach for that lived in nature of the character where I'm not really acting, I'm just there. What happens offset? Like, can you turn off the character? Are you the character for that whole window of time on and offset? No, but I'm in the vibe. So I'm in the vibe because I'm, I'm doing his rituals. Offset. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, so like, say as if Chairman Fred, I'd heard that he listened to Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. I would just listen to that every morning. Every morning. <laughs> Non-stop. And the exact speech so that you I li So you're living the character's yeah. life. So I don't have to be the character when I'm in my wood. Like I, I, I used to like keep the accent going throughout and then I realized it's just, I need to rest. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so like it actually makes it richer if I rest. So I would just be myself, but doing what he does. Listen what he does and kind of getting in that vibe and understanding and having goals. Um, someone that said to me is like, you sniff around the character. You sniff around him and you understand his rituals, his habits, his, these things and then, but this is someone playing a real life person where it was a different thing for me because usually if you have a character, you're, you're creating the target. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. While with playing a real life character, there is a target. How important is that your representation of a known character is like that known character or can you find either a metaphorical or some other variation on that character that's more interesting to play that character. I think it's in, at the end of the day, you've got a narrative that isn't a documentary. Yeah. So you're serving a story, so it has to be an interpretation. If you do it, sometimes I've seen people do real life people and they've got it right, but it feels wrong. Yeah. Because you're serving a piece, you're serving an intention. So then like, what I do is I'll watch that person and I go, how does he make me feel? Mm -hmm. I want others to feel like that. Then I go for the energy that makes people feel like that. And then that 
allows me to make other decisions. How much is body language a part of it? Yeah, a lot. Everything. Everything. It's the aura, it's the essence, how you walk, how you, you know what I mean? How you drop your head, how you like, how you look someone in the eye, how you tilt your head, how you like, just the whole aura, how I smoke. Like, say it's in Judas, I was just smoking every night. I don't smoke. So I would smoke every night, like herbals. And like, just because I, I, I get really frustrated when I see actors that don't smoke smoke and it feels inaccurate. And it's just like two seconds on screen, yeah. but that stuff gets you out of it. So I would smoke every night and film myself and go, do I buy it? Yes or not? Do I buy it? Yes or not? So you'd film yourself, like testing yourself almost. To see if it's real. Amazing. So, cause it, it's, 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 it's how you, if you're saying a line and then and just going for a, going in, and even having the instinct of wanting to smoke and when you have the instinct is a, Yo, even the way you hold a cigarette, yeah, every aspect. Exactly, of it. you have to. It has to be lived in. Yeah, it's the detail that actually gets it to the next level. Like, yeah, my lines of delivery is whatever. It's just those little things. It's those. It's like I think certain things you're like, oh, like I've got bigger, and then I'm like I'm too big, and then I go cardio because it's just like, yeah, he was big, but he has to feel nimble. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just it's just everything is that going to a feeling. Yeah, and then everything is just an. It's not an imitation. It's an interpretation. You know what I mean? And so then it's vulnerable, but you have to go, this is what I think. And people go, well, I don't think that. I'm like, yeah, but this is what I think. And you have to just stand on it. But mm -hmm. for me, I have to just be so committed and confident to stand on what I feel and what I think. Do you know what I'm saying? So that yeah. no one can, you know what I mean? It's like- Nothing it's, can it's, knock you off yeah. because you're, you're being it. You're not, you're not trying to do it, you're being I'm it. I'm being it and I like this. Yeah. I like this what I like. Yeah. Oh, this is what I, but I like this. Yeah. No one can if you can like this what I like. And if you are very aware and very in tune with what you like, not I feel like no one can shake me. Mm -hmm. And I just stand on that. How similar would you be from take to take, or might it be really different because you're just the person and the person wouldn't do it the same way every time? I'm not even aware. I know I've got the same structural skeletal. I do things intentional. Like say if there's a rise in pitch, yeah. that's intentional. I remember when sometimes I do ADR, which is additional dialogue recording when you go back and then they were like, oh yeah, it's really quiet here. Could you say it louder? I goes, no, I meant that. But in terms of how I do that, I let go of being good a long time ago yeah. and being great a long time ago. Yeah. I want to be honest yeah. and it liberates me when I watched the, my work a year later, yeah, and you kind of go flip. I want to do it like that now, yeah. and it's what's frustrating about my the process of acting is that you're the best person for the job at the end of the job. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so you're like, oh snap, like oh fuck, like, but you have to just commit to where you're at and be going. This is how I feel. This is where it is, and so some takes is like that. I'll just that's how I feel, and I just let it go, and then boom. Let it go, then boom. If I know what it's about, I know what I want. And if someone does something different, how could I not respond to that? It's listening and responding. It's as simple as that. Like it's not, it's not really that risk night. It's like, yeah. but it's sometimes people find it really hard to just listen and respond to that. It takes a long time to get to that place, yeah. to find that simplicity of going, you're doing that, I respond to that, and then it's that. And when you're listening, you're listening to the actual words. You're listening to what the person is saying to you and reacting to those words. Yeah, and the tone, everything. You listen to everything, the body language, mm -hmm. the energy, what those thoughts trigger in you. 
and you're open. So whatever you, anything you, but I got that from improvisation. I did improvisation for three years from 13 to 16. That was how I got into acting. I didn't look at a script. So you have to be present. And I had this, used to have this saying when I was doing improv, like Anna shared, she passed away recently, RIP man. But like, I had this rule, like once you're in your head, you're dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. And whatever you do, yeah. I'm taking that in. Cause you're not having lines. Anything is a clue for the next line. So we can build, so we can find out who your character is, who my character is, what is the storyline and narrative. And then we land on something, all right, cool, let's go. And so then when I then was given lines, characters, I was like, wow, this is a lot. This is an abundance. So then I, but I still keep, my thing was like, how do I, when something is so premeditated, how do I keep that essence of real life? How do I keep that essence of spontaneity? How do I keep the essence of randomness? How do I keep the essence of, do you know what I mean? And like- and how do you do it? You're asking. Tell me how, yeah. Do you want to try to do it now? Okay. So like, say as if, boom, like, yeah, doing an improv and that. So like, say as if like, all right, cool, I'll go like, where, where's, your, where's your socks? I don't wear socks. Why, I don't wear why socks. are you moving your hand like that? I don't even know why you're moving your hand like that. I, I told you where your socks, I'm not even being like, I'm not even being this way, like, why are you moving your hand like that? How was I using my hand? You was using your hand, Rick. You're using your hand. So, I, yes, I'm using my hand to express how you're using your hand. There's no point. You were using it. your hand before I used my hand. But now you're smiling. What's funny? Do you think it's funny? It's funny. funny. What's funny? funny. Why do you find funny? It's funny that Why? we're having a conversation about nah, the hands. I even fuck with shit like that. No, nah, I even, if you want to do all this stuff, like you got me out here doing that, doing all hand movements, smiling, showing me your teeth, and I'm sitting there trying to be serious. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like fucking like, you like, I don't know what the fuck you're on. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, is it like, I was like, bro, you're still laughing. I'm still laughing. It's funny. You're, yeah, all right, you're a comedian then. I right, cool, I get it. You do comedy. You're like, a comedian. Because you do comedy, you want to bring you're, you're the comedy the comedian. in. You're the comedian. I'm yeah? not the comedian. Well, I, yeah, because I've done a couple comedies in the couple of my life, bro. I've done a couple comedies. I'm not proud of the comedies I've fucking done, but I'm fucking it. You know, and it's that. Yeah. And so now it's about us, uh, probably you're a better comedian than me. Do you understand? And now I'm pissed that you're better. That's really the undercurrent is that you're a better comedian than me. We're two comedians yeah. and you'll find it funny and I'm insecure, but wow. you run. Like, it's not like, it's not premeditated. You're just going, you're just going. You just pum, listen, pum, pum. you listen to what's there and you respond. And then you go, and then if you're with someone, you go, ah, cool, we're comedians. Yeah. Ah, cool, boom, boom. Ah, cool, cool. I think you're really funny. And I think I'm insecure about being funny. So anything you do, I'm going to fucking gaslight you about it. Yeah. But then you would just understand it and then you build and build and build. That's what I learned. That's what Anna Share Theatre was about. That's what I kind of, I mean, it makes you kind of go and you want to, for me, it's, and also as well, it's like, you have this other fourth wall of which was a bunch of kids that don't give a fuck that you're trying to make laugh mm -hmm. or you're trying to make listen or you're trying to like lean in. And it's just grabbing that and giving real reactions because you're just in it. So then obviously like when you're doing a scene, you give a little, once you're in it, you give like a little bit of like leeway. So in the edit, like come a couple improvised lines that they can play with in the edit and stuff like that. But then it actually gets you to double down and understand where your character's coming from and play with ideas and go, oh yeah, that didn't work. But then you could cut it if it doesn't work. It's not that. It's just, it's, it's a hard thing to describe, but because I was, it was the way that I learned how to do it is something I intimately know. Yeah. And like, um, and, and reading people and knowing every single inch. We are so limited to words mentally, like thinking that we just say things with words. Like we say things with everything. Words are a technology. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the and, and not a great one, honestly. No. Yeah. No, it doesn't really act like it doesn't really describe how you feel that right. more time. Do you know what I mean? It's what you do. You know what I mean? And so when you understand that dichotomy, then you're able to kind of like swim around and play around and then build upon. And then it's just that thing where accepting saying yes. So say as if I said you was a comedian, the thing, you can't say, no, I'm not a comedian. Because then that stops the flow. Yeah. You mean? And is that a rule of improv? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what I studied, yeah. yeah, it's good to accept, to say yes. Anything, any idea that's thrown, you say build yes and yes and. Yes and. Yes and. Do any things come up in improv that become things you have in your pocket that you could use again someday? Is every improv starting from zero or might you say something one night that you think is funny and that you remember and then that might come back? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah it could do. It could do, but I think the, where the class that I learned all this from, it was about throwing it away. Yeah. And sometimes like there would be device pieces that <coughs> kid that had the, the play was like, oh, yeah, I want this to happen, want this to happen, this to happen in the scene. And it was our job how, how we got there. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And then if you're doing it again, say as if the, the, you won the, you was like voted best play, best devised play, and you did it for the performance, then you would have to remember what really worked about it, but still keep it loose enough to find some new stuff. But then not to be too indulgent, where you're actually just like kind of wanking off and mm -hmm. just going, oh, look how quick and great we are, actually going and serving the goal and the intention of the piece. Now you, we are clear about who we are. You know what I mean? It's freedom, but also once you land this restraint and find the freedom within that restraint and within those boundaries, it's my, I've never really even thought about this, but this is how I, how I kind of feel I learned during freedom. When, when you're doing improv, you mentioned being in it with the, the person that you're doing it with or the people you're doing it with, but you also have an audience. And are you aware of them? Do you take them into consideration? Are they part of the improv or not? Yeah, because it'd be fake for them not to be. Because they're if, there. If it, it, yeah, because they're there. See, is that like, and so you're, it's a performance. It's not a conversation. So if I, this is just my philosophy, my belief, I'm there to serve the audience and grab their attention. Um, I think the classes that I grew up in, there's a bunch of kids and when you're crap, they laugh. You know what I mean? And I, so it was the toughest play. It was so real. It, you wasn't entitled to their attention. If you're boring, they would start playing on their phone and playing, what was it, back in the day with snakes on Nokia, they were playing games. They were like whispering, this guy, shit. And you would hear it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like they're dead. Like where that chair is, they're dead. And yeah. you hear what they're saying. So, and that it does something you to, get to good. you. Yeah, it, it, it forces you, it just brings up, it's an instant feedback yeah. that makes you go, this isn't the right decision and forces you to go into another place if you wish to. Do you know what I mean? Or you could just stop, but then why? You can't stop because you're on the stage. It's a big stage. So then like, for me, it's just like, I go, I want them to lean in. I want them to listen. I want them to be with, you can feel them they're with you. And when you're with them, you've got them and you roll. It's like a very, like, it's a, it's a relationship that they're there. But it's, again, you having to, them having to feel like it is private. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're not there. So it's a, it's a thin line of like making it feel real but also understanding that you're doing it for them. And that's the kind of line that you're treading. So you can't break that wall and start talking directly to them, or can you? You can if, it, if, it's, if, it's, if it's required. Like I remember one time, I remember I did a pilot 
uh, I was an announcing a pilot and then I just did this random voice and I looked directly to them because I, I don't know, I just, felt, I just felt the need to do it directly to them because it was a surreal moment in the improv. And then uh, but you could do what you want as long as it feels real. Like, just don't reject it. Like, it's like, I want to do that, I'm going to do that. Like, it's not about, more time it's about anyone that's like that and doing that is like, well, who's that in the scene? You mean? In certain scenarios. When it's happening, are you always in the moment or are you ever thinking ahead? In the moment. The moment gets me ahead. (laughs) If I take a step, I'm trying to, I want to go there. If I trust that I'm going to want to go there, I'm not going to focus on, I'm just going to one step, one step, one step. What's that thing? Drop by drop, a river is formed. Yeah. Focus on that. that if, you really, if you really mean it, you want to go there. If you focus on this, you'll get there. It, take, it makes you surrender and not be too controlling. Yeah, it sounds like free, like you're free. Flow, and yeah. that's a great feeling. Present, yeah. present. It probably is also tiring because you have to really be paying attention. Mm-hmm. It's very like you're on. Yeah. It's like heightened. Yeah. And because that was my way of creating. Now in every state of creating, I'm in that height and that's why it's quite draining. Yeah. Because I'm just so on. I'm so. It's like say if I do certain like interviews or like it's just the way I show up in a focused way and I'm like I'm on. All right, cool. Take in and then you have to go to places that top you up and, and water you and stuff like that. You said that uh, there was probably a time that you wanted to be good or great, but then you got to the point of where you realized you just want to be honest. When do you think that shift happened? I was tired of killing myself. I was tired of like ruining myself when I watched my performances. I was like, I hate that. Why did I do that? Oh, I wouldn't do that. You're crap. You're this. So much self-hate. I was like, bro, if I keep doing this, I don't, would not want to do this. This isn't fun. This isn't, what's the point? I go, what am I doing? Like, I'm ruining, I'm like so tough on myself because I wanted to, my stands were so high, but I, I would feel that, say as if I'm doing this, remember this is after school club, these improvs. It's five pound a class, it's for underprivileged kids. So I'm doing it, I'm there and I do it improv and then, I, and then I'm on the bus home and the line would come to me and goes, fuck, I should have said that. Fuck, I should have said that. Beating yourself up. For the whole week, Rick. Bro. Wow. The whole week I'm at school thinking, I should have said that. I could, and then you're building upon that line, you're building the building. Like, well, next time, I was, I just got in that habit of like, I didn't get in a habit, it's probably what my, what my inner dialogue it was at that time. I was just beating myself up. Going, no, 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 no. And then when I get the bang. So then when I was more in a professional context and I watched my work, I just, did the more professional version of that. And I'll be like, nah. But yeah, it's really tougher because now it's like millions of people watching it. Mm-hmm. And you're, it's not like a week ago, it's like four months ago mm-hmm. or six months ago or a year ago. And you're like, and you've grown so much and you're looking at it, you go, that is shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you're like, whack, 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 whack. And then I just realized that like me wanting to be so good and so great was hurting me. Mm-hmm. And then like, no, it was hurting me. It was, in hindsight, I see, I didn't realize that at the time, but in hindsight, I see that it was limiting my growth. Yeah. And how much I could be, you know what I'm saying? Because I was prioritizing how I was perceived or my ego or just, I wasn't in service of the peace. I was in service of myself 
and wanting the next job or looking good in front of people or looking like the best or all that shit. I was more focused on that as opposed to just telling the truth and going home. Do you know what I'm saying? And so then I realized that like, when I tell the truth and go home, when I'm honest, then I'm free. Yeah. If I pour and give all that I can and I'm honest, I'm genuinely free. No one can say anything to me, especially me. Yeah, because you're being true in the moment and that's all there is. It's all there is. I did all I could and I think like, yeah. Could you have played Wild Bill in the movie instead of Fred Hampton? And what would that have been like? How would it have been different? You can't have a light, the light without the dark. Yeah. If light, if it's consistently light, you ain't gonna register it as light. It's just mm-hmm. consistent, it is. Yeah, and there's nothing. There's it's, nothing. Yeah. It's when you have the dark, then you are able to identify and define the light. Mm-hmm. So I believe that whatever the story wants from me, I am prepared to give it. Mm-hmm. And whatever it wants from my soul and where, where I'm at or where the director feels I'm at or then I can go, all right, cool, I'll do it. Is it whether I want to get in that space or not? But I do think that, like, I could play, I could, I could have played him, yeah. Uh, and it's just that Shaka, the director at the time, saw that his vision is the key's energy, do you know what I'm saying? But um, I don't, it would be a different film, though. Yeah, you know okay, for and, sure. And that's my thing, it's like... For sure. Every, every different, it's just a different thing, yeah. you know what I mean? So Tell me about the different directors you've worked with. How different are they? So like someone like Steve McQueen, right? He's more, I see him as like a composer. Like he see, I, what, it, what he describes it to me, or what, it's, he, it feels like jazz, that we are all jazz players. And he's looking for the surprising moments. He's looking for that, that kind of like, when a thought arrives to you in the moment, he's creating boundaries and the thing, and, they go, and he, he puts people that he trusts and that are that way inclined that are open enough to say the thing and then let the let reality show up through us. He is is that and he under, he's got an innate understanding of human beings. And one time I did a scene and he was doing another scene in a different location and I went to do like a, a like a stunt rehearsal and I came back to to the other location he was at, and he said, and he said to me, what did the room tell you? And he said, oh, you get it. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, that's what it does. Like, you go in there, you don't know what you're gonna do. Like, you, 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 when you, when you're like, got the sides, you, I kind of, kind of learn the lines. And then you're like, I'm like 60% there. Then the room's got to tell you what to do. Your energy's got to tell you what to do. Then you start making decisions because that's what life is. Like, I came in there, I thought I was going to be in a seated situation with you. You took your, you used to, yeah, no socks. I saw this can't be so. I was like, I've got to take off my shoes and then I'm here. It's the environment, then you're in it. Yeah. So I think he very much encourages that. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and actually prioritizes that. So even in terms of dialogue, like he's more flexible with the dialogue to where improvisation is more could a part? Do. Could do, but I think, i tell you what it is about improv. I was always improv, but then I started um, being quite enamored with how you get that improv quality within the restraint of, boom. I think that's what doing theatre gave me. Yeah. Where it's that have you to do with timing? It. It's like, when you say the line, how loud you say the line, how the, the pitch. Yeah. How long you wait before you yeah, say all those things? It was just, it was just, I just got really like, 
I, could, I found it really rewarding to kind of go, how do I, I could say a line that makes that happen, but then that just means I don't trust the writing. Yeah. And if I trust the writing, I go, all right, cool. And actually, it was actually an experience on Sicario and learn, learning from Benicio and watching Benicio Del Toro. And, and he was like, kind of like, how do you say less? So he was taking out lines. Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen that in my life. I was like, this guy is a dog. And then he's like, it's, it's, and it is that, he, he's just like, I can say it with my face. I can say that with my face. And, it, and I, I started to be more going, how do I say more with less? Yeah. I started being way more on it with that. I, and, I, and I think, I just, it's just my kind of thing. I, I'm not saying it's like better than anything else. I just, I just, I just go, oof. It feels like, because I don't think people expose much in real life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in terms of their manner. Yeah. Only in extreme situations they do, yeah. when they're really pushed. And in terms of a challenge, getting all of the content across without saying anything, that's a noble challenge to take on. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, it's cool. I just find it cool. Yeah. So, then it, um, so that's how I would do that. But then it was like, how do I express that improv quality with a look, with a gesture, mm -hmm. with an energy shift? Mm -hmm. How do you do that? That's what the camera really reads because it, then you, you're not saying four, you're saying two plus two. Mm -hmm. And then the audience leans in. Mm -hmm. If I give you the line and tell you four, 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 then you're like, mm. you know what I mean? Jay-Z album, you know what I mean? So it's like, cause you're like having to kind so it's of- like like, you're, It's like you're finding the words as you're saying them. Mm -hmm. So the camera sees you finding the words, not just saying the line. The thought yes. is what, it's, I have, especially during this process on the kitchen and being in the post-production detailed in the, in the, in the edit, like I'm always finding it interesting when the thought arrives. That's what, um, that's what I realized. I, it made me articulate what I care about when I act. It's like, doosh. Like that's what's fascinating. And then what are you going to do with that? Yeah. And you, you, you may line. say the line, you might not even say the line because you, the you thought, feel the, the thought. The thought. Yeah. Yeah. You see something happen. Yeah. And, and it's like that shift is what is, is rewarding and seeing an evolution. That's what you want. That's what you, you, the enamoring quality of storytelling is evolution. So if you see someone changed by someone that's happening, if you are ready, then you're ready. But if you like go and you move, you know, and then you move on that, then the thought is, the thought brings the line. So take, I'll give you an example. Say if I see people like, uh, I see my friends are like, oh, Daniel, brother, I ain't seen your film. Da, 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 da. Like, I know, I'm nice, but I said, bro, it's cool. So then I was like, no, no, it's not cool. I want to see it. I said, bro, like, the fact you want to is the thing. When you do it, it's up to your life. Like, you I mean, you may have kids, you may do whatever. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. the want is the thought, and that's the valuable thing. The act is the product of the want. So that's how I see the acting thing is like, the line is the product of the thought mm -hmm. and seeing that thought arrive is the valuable bit of the storytelling for me. Mm -hmm. And so then I go, Boop. and then you just, the, the line is the actualization of that shift. So I look to someone else's line, I'm listening going, what is triggering this thought that makes me say this line? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking out for. So I'm there with you because and one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life in acting, it's mad simple. I saw Josh Brolin did something amazing, yeah? I said a line and then, like, I'm not trained, so sometimes I have diction issues. 
And then, so I'm, I'm working on it like continuously. And then like when I was in Sicario, I said that I was in the scene and we was going for it. And I, and I said the line and Josh had a line next. And then he just went, what? And then I said the line again and then he replied because he's there. Yeah. He's not got the performance ready. Yeah, yeah. He's got, a, he's listening. He's listening. He's listening. So he's like, what? Yeah. And then he said, until he, and then I had to say it again. He go, oh yeah. But it's not like, that was just, that revolutionized my whole brain. I was 25. I'm going, what the fuck? That is the coldest shit I've seen in my fucking life. Yeah. It's so simple. It's like an insignificant scene. It's not even, it was like, that is one of the most, like he was there. Yeah. And it weren't fake. And it made me go, that's the North Star. I mean it. I'm not going to say it until I hear it. Mm -hmm. Why am I saying it? It's as simple as that. Yeah. And it's the audacity to stand on that and commit to that. Because that's what real life is. If someone, you just go, what are you saying? Like, there's someone I know, like, she's from the South, and I've got a deep London accent, and we don't really understand each other. I misinterpret her, she misinterpreted me. But we have got better intentions, but, but that's what life is. And that's what you want. To, you just want to be listening and then that dictates every other decision but yeah that's Steve McQueen kind of creates that space and then someone else that's extreme in another sense would be I think like Ryan Coogs like Coogler is very much um, very bespoke I would say very bespoke that he speaks describe to, that he speaks to everybody differently he speaks to everyone he understands and he's in it with you like say as if there was like a um, screen test and it was really cold and the, and the girls were doing a screen test. He would take his jacket off and be in his t-shirt cause yeah, I'm in it with you. You know what I mean? He's in it with you. And like, so you feel like, you don't feel like an object. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? You feel like you have a collaborator, you have a partner, you have someone that's in the battle with you. Mm -hmm. And then he, under, he, he knows you and he'll speak in your, what would bring what he wants out of you, but he would speak in the way that you would understand. And I see he would speak differently to different people. And like, um, and that was really interesting. That was really interesting to yeah. see that. And, and, I, and it's something that I've kind of like adopted in when I've directed and stuff and like, and knowing that it, it, you, you got to speak in a way that, you, it's not about just l it communicating. Communication is, commu people think communication is expression. Communication is commune. So you have to receive it in order for it to be communicated. And so people just prioritize what I want to say, and it doesn't, they don't acknowledge in what, how you receive it. And if it's you about be able landing. to landing. It's it. about landing yeah, lines. Yeah, and I think he understands that. And mm -hmm. he understands, I want it to really land, so I'm speaking to you. Mm -hmm. And so you feel quite, you know, you feel quite spoken to and seen in that. How different is it, depending on the skill level of the actor you're, working with? It's different in the sense that like, um, I think being, doing a lot of low budget stuff, like at the start of my career, like it was all low budget and short films. And you're not really, A, you have only two takes. <laughs> you don't have a lot of time, you have a lot of your time and B, not everyone's there. So I think I've learned how to, if, I'm, if the camera's not on me, I've learned how to lean heavy on something to get out. I'm gonna give it, tailor to you the most you need yeah. So that it really comes out, it jumps out. If I hear some director saying something, I would then support what he's saying and support what he wants because it's about it coming out. 
what I'm saying? Because we're in and then, but some people, you don't need to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and then like, they're able to get their own wave and they'll surprise you and that will evolve what you're doing. And so it's, it's, more, like a, it's more like a dance that it can, it's whether, it's like, a, yeah, it's like a dance and sometimes you have to lead more than needed. But if someone is able to understand the steps, then, then you go into new spaces and do some new moves. But it's a, it's a reflection of what both of you intended and what you want from do you ever have it the other way where there's you're working with someone who's just so great that you feel like it makes you better yeah i've had a couple moments where i was like i've had a couple moments when i was like (laughs) when someone said something and i went i actually stopped talking i was more i was younger i was like that's not in the script but he said the line so fresh yeah and so present and so in it that it felt improv so I felt like, it felt like he made it up. Yeah. So I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and so then like, I stopped. Yeah. Then I was like, whoa. Like, it's actually, I'll, t- I'll say it was Chris O'Dowd. Yeah. I did this TV show with Chris O'Dowd. And he just said this, and I was like, what the fuck? And he just went, whoop. And then it like, then I was like, oh, like, A, I wasn't in it. Yeah. B, I was like too premeditated. Yeah. In terms of what you, I was so controlling. Yeah. Because I've been worked, I hadn't worked with people that were high level. Yeah. Probably at that point, I was 19 and like, and I was like, oh, like, you're going to say it in a way I wouldn't even imagine. You're going to put intonations in places. I was like, oh, shit. And then it made me just let go of preconceived notions and preconceived thoughts. And then it goes, just be more, all right, cool. They could say anything, it could come any way and a bit more. And I think that makes you, it's not like, what I'm learning now, it's not like growth is not about adding, it's about subtracting and going, oh, I can let that go. And then you're richer for what you let go. You know what I mean? It's what I've learned about when you're dealing with someone great. So say if that Josh Brolin story, that's dealing with someone great. And he showed me like I've got addiction. There's something that there's a there's thing that's in my way. There's a there's a I have an anxiety about something that I need to let go of. But also that like I assumed he's just gonna say the line because I said it. You know what I mean? As opposed to because that's the job. As opposed to completely different idea, which is actually being present, but truly and listening really it's taught me a lesson in listening yeah that was like come with less come to the scene with less and then you will feel more how would you say developing these skills in your craft impact your daily life are you always listening are you always in that regardless of whether you're on or not how is life different than how it used to be for you i think yeah i'm I'm probably listening too much and that's probably why i lean on certain vices to distract like say if i'm taking too much in i'll be food taste like my phone like things that i like substances, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be just like, all right, cool. Let me get out of these, this, this vein. Like, like, it used to be drink or, do you know what I'm saying? It's like, let me just get out of this vein because I'm taking in too much and I have too many feelings about what I'm taking in. Yeah. It makes me highly sensitive. Yeah. And like, so then it's, so then I like silence. I like being by myself. 
I like, um, I'm very comfortable in my own company because there's less to respond to. I can hear people's just chaos and I can hear what they say. I can hear, you can hear way more. And you have to kind of like, I've had to learn tools to kind of deal with that and actually be okay with the, it's actually being okay with what it triggers in me. Like I, I read somewhere like, I never used to be able to sit through a film because it used to trigger me too much. And really? I'd fall asleep. It was, I remember it was the pandemic, the pandemic showed me that when I was like, cause it was like, I had loads of sleep. Yeah. And then like, I'd watch a film. But you could still fall asleep. I would fall asleep. So it wasn't about sleep. I was like, yeah. why am I sleeping? But it was as a moment. It was like an escape. You wanted to escape. Too, I had too much. I was, I would watch a film every day at like 11 AM yeah. in a pandemic. So I've had my good amount of sleep. I've read today, I've eaten my breakfast. A light breakfast, not heavy breakfast that would slow me down. And then I would still sleep. So then it was basically, even without devices, I was running away from it, from whatever it opened. Do you know what I'm saying? So I realized I had to deal with that. Do you know what I'm saying? I had to deal with like, why do I want to run? Why do I want to not take in what, or accept or maybe because, and it's not, usually not what, it's usually that I like something about it. That's what um, has helped me. Like, what do I like about this? Do you get lost in the story or you? If, if, I, if, if I feel the director's confident, I get lost. If I had to feel that, if it, you, you can see that in the first frame, if that, it's just basically, do they know where they're going? <laughs> Are they gonna take you and do you feel safe? Yeah, and it's a funny thing about the first frame. Like, I feel like when a piece of music comes on in the downbeat, like in the, the first sound you hear, 100%. you really kind of have a feeling you of what's know. about to happen. Like you, you learn so much before the song even plays, yeah. just like the, the intention of the first note. Yeah, yeah. Was, I, I'm obsessed with music. I love music because I, I think I love music because it's an art form that I'm not a part of. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I could just, I get could to just, just be a, a fan. fan. Like, yeah. I mean, so I'm obsessive. And I was just, there was a time I was just obsessed with this. And I knew first five seconds, I knew if this producer knows what they're doing or where they're going. It's, but for me, it was like the notes they don't play. It's the notes that they leave out. And they go, oh, they're confident. They know what, it's just that, that's the same thing as like, same with the first frame. It's like, they know where they're going. Or if it moves you, does it make you dance? <laughs> if there's no intellectual word, there's no intellectual justification. Yeah, there's nothing to think about. You feel it or you don't. Feel it or you don't. Yeah. Does it move you? Yeah. And that's whether that person intended that or that they just have that innate intention. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You just know what's going on. You know what I mean? And that's, that's how I feel like in a film that allows me to like surrender and I go, I'm like, well, with you. But when I'm like, it's hard because sometimes it's like you're thinking, you're like thinking different versions of it. And then sometimes you're just inspired and it's open and new way. I was like, oh shit, I could do that. Do you make notes while you watch? Like yeah, if you get no, ideas? I no, I do. <laughs> no, I do. I watch that, I just write things down. I have this thing now, what I'm doing now, I just started, but like, just I have a list of my films that I love and I just watch that every morning. That's the first thing I do, watch the film I love before I read a script that I need to read, before I do things that I need to do. But a different one every day? Yeah, yeah different yeah. every day, like, but just like a joyous one, okay. <laughs> social network. How many, yeah, how many are there on your list of ones you love? 30, 40, you know what I mean? I've only done starting for like five or six of them now after I come back from holiday. Mm -hmm. Because I remember I read somewhere, yeah? And they said, you should always revisit the things that you love as a teenager because you are waiting there. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, there's, it was, it was like stuff that you went to 
just because you went to it. Yeah. There was no like, I want to do it to use it to this. It's just like, I love it. And so I'm going there. And then you, you'll, you'll meet yourself again. That's what it says, you'll meet yourself yeah. again. Do you ever go back and watch something that you loved when you were younger and it doesn't hold up? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes where like, I, I find that with books <laughs> where I've got, wow, I've moved. It, this meant a lot to me at that time. Yeah. And now it's, it was the time that was, was me receiving it, not necessarily. Yeah, it's like the right teacher showing up when you're ready. It's like at that point in your development, that spoke right to that where you were. That spoke to me, that allowed it, but then I've moved on and evolved from that. So now I revisit it. It wasn't about it. It was about what it triggered in me and what it developed and moved to me. So then like- I think that's what the best work does. It's for me, the best work is the thing that triggers something in me more than me getting involved in it. 100%. And that's, that's what I feel like, um, this is what I'm thinking I'm starting to realize in this process, the kitchen is like, like I think we're so media obsessed. Media has just like taken over all narratives, right? And just that style of um, narrative, mm -hmm. because it tells you what to think. And it's the equivalent, what I think art, what media does is go, here's a fish. And art goes, here's a fishing rod. Here's yeah. how to think. Yeah about whatever the fuck you want to think about. Yeah, or the art might even just say, look at this, without saying, here's a fish. Mm -hmm. And then you get to say, oh, it's a fish. Yeah, yeah. But you get to say that. Yes, two yeah. plus two. Yeah, I don't like being told what to think. Yeah, I don't like it. No. I don't enjoy it. It's, I, no. I always think like, what, it's more interesting what I discover. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I think that way of thinking, of not liking what to think is not common. Yeah. Like, I think people want to know what to think is you what think? I wonder I'm starting to accept that I don't believe that I have to say I don't believe that I don't I think or, people, I, I certainly don't want to believe it but I, I but I also I hold people highly enough to believe they don't want to be told what to do I don't think well I, I don't maybe this is me I'm thinking I was like I think I have, I have authority issues and so and I don't think a lot of people don't <laughs> so they say so so they trust yeah. They have whatever great relationship, whoever person that they had their great relationship with. And so they didn't create this autonomy. Yeah. They, and then they go, oh, cool, this person says, oh, let's go. They want to be led. And I, and I think that's a different kind of person. And I think the culture that we have at the moment encourages that side of people and punishes people that aren't like that. Thus people, you have to really believe in it to hold on to wanting your own thoughts and wanting to think independently. And a lot of people, it's just not that deep for them to yeah. hold on to that. Yeah. And then it's like, it's just they're not, they're not like resist, they're not emotionally resistant yeah. to that way of being led. That's a heartbreaking idea to me. I think it's okay. <laughs> Tell me I'm, why. I, I think it's okay because it's like, well then cool, like, what are we gonna give them? Mm -hmm. You mean? It's like, if you deny it, then you're consistently trying to get someone to do something that they don't want to do. I see. Do you know what I mean? As opposed to giving them what is, serves them yeah. in the way that they want. It's that communication thing. Mm -hmm. It's accepting and believing what you see. Understood. And going, yeah, have that. That's how this person wants it. I, maybe for me is a lot of my frustration with 
my creativity in my life is me being resistant to that, to that. Yeah. To me going, you should, you should, but look at me and saying should. Yeah. Should, 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 there's a cancer of a word. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's not even like, I'm telling you what to think about how to think. Like I'm telling, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, I'm like, I'm being like them. Yeah. As opposed to accepting and going, all right, you're like that, going, do you think that? Yeah, I think it's cool that people do what they want. I just find it hard to believe that people just want to be told what to do and follow. I find it, I just find it hard to believe. I think it's because you don't. Yeah, I don't. That's, it, it, all, that's my only point of but view. You're, but do you think, you're rare. Do you think you're common? No, but I also think, I mean, historically, the things that I've liked seems like other people seem to like. Like I've made things that I like, a lot of other people like them. So I think there must be, so, as odd as I feel, as different as I feel, there's some commonality there because I'm not making anything for anyone else. I'm only making it for me. But the difference is, is that you made it. They didn't make it. So the fact that you can make, yeah. makes you separate to them. Yeah. It means that you have a different ideal. Yeah. And they are like going, oh cool, that person, that's what, they, that's what they're into. Cool, I'm just onto what, yeah, that's cool. And oh yeah, that is good. I like that, yeah, it moves me. They are looking to you to tell them like, what's good? Oh, this is what you've heard? Because I don't think ideas are ours. I don't think, I think it's like- I agree. You're going into the pond and you're fishing and then they, 100%. 100%. You know so it's like, you something's arrived to you, you've, you've worked your ass off in trying to actualize it. That's something that does. So I give you, boom, this is how I, it's how I interpret life, right? So then I go, this is what I've learned in my career. Like, and I'm from a cancer estate. I don't know if you like, it's like the projects in London. Like, people don't act from where I'm from. So that I, that was, I kept it a secret. And so everything I would do, like I would go, I can see something's possible. And I go to Rick, do you see that? And then that, usually that person goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like- They uh, wouldn't even see it. They wouldn't see it. And then I go, all right, cool. I work, 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 work. And then the win yes. is, is putting it there. Yeah. And that person say, all right, Dan, have you seen this? Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's mad, isn't it? Yeah. I don't tell them. Yeah. But now it's there. Yeah, yeah. You show them. I show them. Yeah. So, but that makes me drastically different to them. Yeah. And like, what I used to be is in denial that, like, I'm just different. Like, you're just doing a different thing. So I'm like, well, sometimes I was in Brooklyn one time. I sat next opposite this guy. I said, well, would you, would you, how do you spend your time? He's like, yo, I make tables. I'm like, what the fuck? What do you mean you make tables? What tables? He said, I make the one that we're on right now. It had like a fucking sewing machine at the bottom of it. Yeah. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, how'd you get there? Yeah. I'm just going to buy whatever. I'm going to go to Ikea and buy a table. Yeah. I don't need to like understand tape. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's different departments in life where I delegate and, I, and it's whether I am aware of what I like or who I trust yeah. to receive what I like and what I trust. And some people go, oh, I really like that. And they're able to aware and identify that, but they're not in the business of like, Control, you mean? But That's how I see it. But we're talking about now thinking for someone else, which is different than making something for someone else. That people want to be thought for. That's a scary idea to me. Yeah, it's not. It's not, <laughs> it's not I, I'll give you that. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It's a different idea. Yeah, I, you, I want you to tell me how to live my life. That's crazy. No one can do that. There's no version of that that's okay. 
but they do do that. I know. That, it doesn't, but if it's like, do you think, like, no one man can have all that power? Do you know what I'm saying? I don't think it's no. like, it's all right, cool, like, control and power. It's control and power. Yeah, and At freedom. The day, and I it's think like, it, it's either freedom or not freedom. Those are the, those are the choices. One is, it's if you're free to decide what you want, how you want to do it, that's freedom. And if someone's telling you what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do it, this is how you think about it. If you think about it differently than this, you're wrong, you're in trouble. But Rick, bro, I don't think everyone's prepared for the cost and responsibility of freedom. That's not a human thing. I don't think we've been prepared for it. A lot of people have been prepared for it. Mm. They haven't been given the tools to prepare themselves for that cost. Cool. It's like going in there and going, all right, cool, I'm lifting 300 pounds. You got to build up to lifting three hundred pounds, yeah, and, and it's a heavy weight, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And and like, that's what another thing I realize: a lot of people want the, want to purchase leadership, but they don't want to cost. And I find that in terms of being autonomous in within your mind and within your thoughts and within your like direction of your life, go. Oh, I want to go here. I want to go there. It's a big. You, you have to go through a mad experience, a lot of mad experiences to be truly free. In terms of, and freedom is just like, oh, I can just do that. You know what I'm saying, oh, I want to do this. It's where I'm at right now. Like me, I'm open to like learn and figuring it out. But that's where for me, for me, I just feel like a lot of people are not prepared for that cost and they're cool with it. And I think the environment that has been built within the West doesn't actually encourage it because it's too complicated and there's too much choice. And so then it's like the overwhelming of like, I feel like the internet is just gone like, all right, cool. Knowledge is power. Give them all the knowledge. So then you, got, you don't know what to get because you've got too much information. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now you're like, all right, cool, I just want, tell me what, come on, curate. I can actually argue the other side of what I was saying based on what you just said that's mm-hmm. interesting. I remember when the streaming revolution first started and I remember feeling like, wow, I don't have to go to the store and buy a CD or vinyl that I could hear any piece of music I want at any time. If I just think of something that I heard when, you know, 25 years ago, I could listen to that right now. Uh, uh, uh. And I thought, I'm just gonna want a DJ all day. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I came to realize very quickly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want a DJ all day. Nope. And I want to be programmed too. And it's fun when a song comes on that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a great experience yes, and is. I love that. I get to have discovery yeah, versus yeah, yeah. choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's fun too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's. People want to be thrilled in that way. Like I, I, so I, I would be like that back in the day in radio shows. I'd be like, all right, cool. This is the DJ. Like, like, I used to follow. I follow DJs. Yeah. And I go, all right, cool. This guy good speaks to me. Yeah. He's gonna drop a song that I've never heard. Like, what's this? This is. The, I just won't find it. You know what I'm saying? I won't. It won't arrive to me. That person is. That's their job. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you want to be kind of. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like. That it's a thrill, when that relationship is trusting yeah. and like enriching yeah. and opens doors for you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And, but I think the way that it sometimes is used now is used to control and is used okay. to diminish and is used but to you, suppress. You, what you're describing though is a trusted source who you pick. Yeah. Imagine if you got assigned a source of what you were allowed to listen to musically yeah. and you didn't respect their taste. That wouldn't be good. No, it wouldn't. But then if there was no other options, wouldn't you just have to like find the good in it? Yeah. Well, that's how it used to be when we didn't, when everything wasn't on demand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like, and, or you would create. Yeah. 
what you want. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and that's, and that's, that's, that's what. I think pa- that's something we've both done. Yeah, exactly. exactly that. Yeah, it's just like going. Create the thing that isn't there that you yeah. want. I, Rick, brother, I just make films I want to watch and I want my friends to watch. That's it. Simple as that. Simple. It's worthy of my time. Simple. And you can't, if you think past that, it'll screw the whole thing up. Yeah. And sometimes someone's got there and done it before me. I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah, I don't have to do it. <laughs> I was like, yes, it's sick. the best feeling. Yeah, I'm like, all right, cool. Let me see what they did. Oh, they were closer to it. Oh, yeah, they did it. Better. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. Wait, watch it. Do you mean it's just that? That's yeah. it. Like, it's not like, I mean, it's just, if not us, then who? Yeah. It's us. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you just go and then just do it. Like, it's, and, and, but then that's a certain kind of person <laughs> that has a certain kind of, nah, I want it like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not everyone has that, <laughs> is what I'm accepting. And it's quite, I feel like I've been quite baby-like when a baby feels like everything is them. Yeah. You know what I mean? They have this reality where like, oh, that this bull is me and this thing is me. They're like, that's what I kind of been internally in my creative life and feel like, well, I, well, if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And I've, that's been a kind of being dismissive of what I've been given. Yes. And what, I, what radio station I can hear. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like I can hear things because of the experiences that I've had yeah. and the, my exposure, like the fact that like my people in my family didn't speak English when I was a kid. That's interesting. Thus I read, so obviously that ten leans itself for improv because I'm losing body language. If I ask you what is the kitchen, you tell me what, what comes up for you. A representation of uh, an energy and an idea that for me, is the essence of what the London that I grew up in and the London that I saw. And I do feel that there is a kitchen and a corner of the kitchen in every city that has like, fuck you. We do what we want and we don't give a fuck. You want us to leave? No. But the narrative manifestation of that is a self-sufficient community within this film, The Kitchen, that uh, they just, they're the last land standing. It's like, it's a community of people that are still connected, that still believe in oneness, that still believe in community, and they are being um, asked to leave. And they said no. And they are dealing with the repercussions of that answer. It's how it feels to me. So is it a realistic drama or is it, science fiction what genre is this story being told as is it a genre is it in a genre i don't think so i think it has elements of a lot of things and um has a science fiction conceit however at its heart it's an intimate drama about this man and this boy and how they reconnect i think what what when i boiled it down it's basically when your relationship has changed with your child, how do you redefine a friendship after a level of absence? And it, that could be applied to a mother and daughter when their daughter's gone to uni or college for a couple of years and they haven't been seeing each other every day and it comes back and that daughter's a different person. Mm-hmm. And now they have to redefine their relationship and actually find a friendship. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? And I feel that's the strongest bond to get to with a parent 
child is what is what um i mean this is me my thoughts right now that's not me definitely this is what it is because i'm just living my life and figuring this out <laughs> but that for me is um is what the yeah the intimate drama of it is like knowing that in order to fight what's out there you have to be together within yourself and with the people that you care and love about and if you're at war with yourself then you're no use to the war out there are you in it as well as writing it? And No, I'm just directing it, writing it, and producing it. I'm not in it. Cool. And yeah. how's that experience of directing and not acting? Um, I love it. I started, I, I used to write, I, used to, I wrote my first play when I was nine. I used to write plays. I wrote on the show called Skins when I was 18, 19. And then when I was 19, I wrote two episodes of Skins and I just had nothing to say. <laughs> 19. I was like, I gotta live. And then I've gone back to here and and directing and writing and producing. It's just that kind of thing where like, it's got me to fall in love with the art again. <laughs> because I think there's something about acting, the more successful you get, the more isolated you become. <laughs> and I think I fell in love with the collaborative nature of it. And what directing and writing and producing does, I think directing does, it allows you to collaborate and allows you to kind of talk in and allows you to have funny jokes with grips. It allows you to, I mean, you're back in it, in the thick of it. Yeah. It's not weird that I'm there. Yeah. Like when I go on set and I'm like hanging out, it's like people move like, why are you here? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so it makes you feel like you don't want to be there because you're not supposed to be there. And then you find out why you're not supposed to be there. Yeah, or, not, you, or you're just not required to be there. Yeah. I think people usually go where they're required to be. Yeah, there. yeah. And, uh, and you have to hold your position. You're playing a position. And I think with this, it's like, I, I fell in love with like, I fell in love with having an idea, getting a team of people, having a fucking laugh, yeah? And having a great time being really happy and then producing something that is a reflection of that time that we had. That's great. That's what I fell in love with. And that's what I felt like I found with this. Is that like, oh man, like I just make things with people that I, I fuck with, I care about, they challenge me, that I grow with, I challenge them, and then we have a laugh, we do some funny jokes, we have like, we spend time, then there's this thing that we've made that is essentially like a photo album mm-hmm. of the time that we shared for us. What triggered the initial idea to make it? How'd it start? I was in a barbershop where I grew up, and this guy was talking about these smashing grabs, which is like doing million pound heists in a minute. He was chatting, I'm sitting there, I'm like, this guy is chatting about his business. <laughs> He's very trusting of everyone in this barbershop. And I kept to listen to him. He's like, yeah, no, I'll do this, right? I'll listen, I was like, I really wanna watch that film. I was just chilling in the barbershop. I was like, waiting for my appointment. This is like 10 years ago. I was like, I really wanna watch that film. That'd be a sick film. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then, then I, a couple months went by and that guy, I didn't see him again. So I that guy, and it kind of was vague, but it was kind of like basically he went away. Like I'm presuming he went to prison or whatever. I don't know what kind of happened, and I was like, huh. And I did more digging about around it, and it was like, wow, they're doing these million pound heists in a minute, and they were getting paid two hundred pounds. So they're robbing diamonds, and they were getting paid two hundred pounds. And I was like, there is conflict in that. Yeah. That says so much about London. That says so much about where we're at. That says so much about the worth, how valuable they believe their life is. There's so much happening in that. And then I was like, uh, I've got to go there. It was like, I, the aesthetic 
intrigued me and then the the dichotomy made me dig. Where did the man and the child piece come from? My subconscious. <laughs> um, and um, You don't have children? No. And I think it was, what's the thing you're scared to say? Because what it was, we understood it was like, it was like about the I and we. I mean, that, that like, I was just obsessed about how people vote against their interests. You know what I mean? Because they vote aspirationally. They go, this, I want to be there, therefore I'm going to support that and undermine myself and not accept where I'm at and my reality. And what was the intimate manifestation of that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is basically a man that is so about himself is not being able to be present for a child that he's co-created. And so, yeah, so that's where it was in exploring that. It's about starting, a, I really believe starting a character in a really, cr like, negative place so they can really go on the journey and really put in the, the ugliness up front, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And what I've found in this process, when you put the ugliness up front, it then triggers people because some people go, I wish I could do that, you know what I mean? I wish I could be like that, do you know what I'm saying? It was like, but there is a respect there because that person's being honest and they're telling you who they are. And, but it's that, that's that, who they are is not serving them. And the journey, and they understand it's not serving them, it's who they've been taught to be. And it's them getting closer to who they are and what they care about. That's the journey of Izzy in this. And, uh, and, and then Benji as a, the boy accelerates that journey within him. And then he learns, Benji learns and grows and, and for himself as well. At what point did the father and son appear in the creation of the story? Because the first story that you told me, inspired by the conversation at the the uh, barbershop, it's not that. No. So at what point did it? The father and son. We shot a taste of tape. So we shot in the barbershop. That like, we shot a taste of tape, and I wanted it to be like Reservoir Dogs in the barbershop, <laughs> and that's what we shot. Yeah. And then it was just style. It was just cool. It didn't mean anything, mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? And then it was just these iterations about like, what's he doing it for? He's doing it for his kid. And then the kid was like a baby. He's like a baby, I was like this. And it was like, it was like this noble thing. And it was like, but the reality is it grew as we grew, is essentially. Because I, I, I directed it with Kid Boy Tavares and it, as we grew, it grew. And as we were more frank, I'm not to speak for him, I speak for myself. But I was more frank with myself I was more frank with my blind spots. It then go, well, we, let's talk about this. Okay, we have to go there. We have to go. And it kept on going, all right, cool. But I don't think that decision of that boy, the man having a kid was out of nowhere. But I just don't think we was aware that we went there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't think it's like, it's just things that are coming out that feels right. Mm -hmm. That feels right. But it's not like, because I, I don't think I was that aware in my creativity to know that. I remember one time when I first wrote on Skins, and this is about this girl who has become pregnant and she's got to decide whether she goes to go drama school or have this baby. Not drama school, look, no, Freudian. But go to music school or have this baby. And then when I watched it back when I was 18, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, this is about my wrestling with the fact that if I'm gonna go drama school, or if I'm gonna just go, fuck it, I'm gonna go for this career. And it just, it was coming out. 
And that's why it just felt like I could just do it. But I'm not aware. Yeah, it's like a dream. You yeah. don't know it. You don't know what it means when it's happening. Yeah. But if you look years later, if you wrote it down, it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. exactly what. Yeah. It is. So I think that's where the father son, the father son came in because it's there are questions that you want to explore in the same way that I want to explore this aesthetic, this world, those questions. And then we set in the future, um, not to distant future, because we want it to, to feel big and we want it to be felt free from the rigidity of reality right now and actually be able to use our imagination. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? And actually go and imagine and, and then actually can actually tell more of the truth mm -hmm. when you use more of your imagination. Did you have a, a full script before starting the film or was it something that evolved as you're making it? Evolved continuously, mm -hmm. continuously evolved. And it was like, and that was the process because of the, what I realized is it's a reflection of the people that are involved. Did you start with an outline or anything? Or it was just a Right at the beginning of the process. Yeah. An outline. An outline. An outline. I wrote an outline. And was it an outline of to the end or was it an outline of this is how the story starts? The taster was just an outline of the taster and what like the specific scenes that had a loose arc and then had a loose beginning and end, but that, that version of the film would have been like 20 minutes. Then when we did that, we expanded on it, and then I did that whole outline to an end. And then you have that outline, then you go back and forth with the production company, and then you're going back and forth with producers and building it up, and then you get to land to a, a, a more realized outline, and then you'll go to script, and then you write that script. The script that I wrote is not the film, <laughs> at first of the film that's there. So it kept on, evolving and kept on like the process allowed it yeah to come to would you say that it's better than the script or different than the script it's more realized than the script it's more realized than the first ever draft it's more succinct it's more pointed it's more honest it's more in service i think that first, i'll be real i think that first draft was trying to show how good i can write and I thought it was a well-written script, but who cares? You know what I mean? So I think that, I think a lot of ego had to die in me and in all the people in order for us to get to, to where we got to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I started the script like at 23, 24, so I was trying to, I had a negative experience when I was 19 when I wrote, I wrote a script and I wanted to prove, I wanted to prove how good I was. Like I was in that good stage, good, great stage. And then like, I think the story suffered because of there was too much me there. Yeah. At any point, did you consider it being a series as opposed to a film? No. I mean, I've written so many versions where I could have a series worth of it. But no, I, 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 um, I love film. I love the completeness mm -hmm. of film. I love the fact that like in a pandemic, I'm just watching something from the seventies, randomly from the fifties. Yeah. I'm just there. I don't think you do that with TV shows, even though like I love Twilight Zone. Yeah. I was going to bring up Twilight Zone earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really was when you described it being the way you described it rooted in reality, but being able to go beyond reality. I was thinking, oh, like a father and son story taking place in the Twilight Zone. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that way that basically Izzy works at a funeral home that turns bodies into trees. You know what I mean? Because they've got this whole technology and turns bodies into trees and they, because they've run out of space. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, and they need to help the environment. They've run out of cemetery space. And if you have money, you have the option to choose where your tree is. And if you don't, you don't, you don't. You mean, it's like, and that's where it's just like, it's exploring what the principles and the conflicts of now through a... A surreal version of it. Let's think. Yeah. Let's imagine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just go there. And like, Uh so the kitchen is this community that feels like an estate. It feels like a block, but it's a whole town. It's a whole community. It's supposed to feel like London. Supposed to feel like like this is like yo we like 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 I was in my fucking research yeah I love I'm so, I'm obsessed about London I think London's so interesting as a city because it was bombed and people don't actually like forget that that it was like Paris wasn't because it was occupied and London was and so a lot of it's temporary and there's a and and then what I realized when doing the research a lot of like in the Blitz it was fear and and, and Nazis bomb London and then. People were panic, panic, panic. And then when they survived, what then happened was like, oh shit, I'm invincible. There was an attitude like, what the fuck? And there was less fear the more they bombed. So it was having the opposite, it was making them more resilient. And I was like, oh, that is still in, we are in the lineage of that. That's still here. That's really interesting. That's still here. That result, the, the positive, outlook of that trauma still exists within the essence of London. Still, I saw that when I was on a, on, a, on a bus when I was like 11, I went to a big boy school, went to a boy's school. I'm on a bus now. The brothers, the older boys, is like, all right, we're trying to get off the bus. The driver's like, you're not getting off the bus. And he's like, oh. open the thing, press the emergency button in the middle of the road and walked out. The fuck? That, I could see that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's an attitude, oh, fuck it, shut the fuck out of here. I'm not really, you know I mean, it's like that and that's what I wanted to show. And it's like what I've been around and what I've seen and what I feel in me. You know what I mean? It's like, and I think a lot of like my career and what I've done is because like, bro, like you can hit me and I'll get stronger. <laughs> my thing I need to stop because I have in the past gone to be hit in order to grow. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Which is a different thing that I'm learning to, to leave. But I just saw that, I thought that was interesting. And I just saw that like, I wanted that essence. You know what I mean? But it's about how do you imagine that essence? How do you cinematically articulate it? Tell me about the London you grew up in. Grew up in, um, I was born in Camden Town. Very punk, very counter culture, very- Was this after punk rock? Yeah. Or during punk rock? 90s, like, yeah. After. 90s. So, like, so I was born, I was born in 89. Yeah. And so then my first memories is just seeing, like, people with spikes. And it was, I think it was just the point where it was, people were still believing in it, but it was at the tail end of mm-hmm. true punk. But it still had that kind of, like, there was just no place in fucking England that is like Camden. And it still had that, it's just like, like, eh, like, and massive drug culture in Camden. And you're exposed to a lot. I remember one time this guy came on the bus and he had spikes on his, his boots, spikes on his trousers, spikes on his thing, and he had purple spiky hair. And I'm looking, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I'm like six, like, yo, I'm looking. And my mum doesn't, it's not worried. No one else is batting an eyelid. And then it made me go, oh, then well, I won't look at him weird then. So it taught me that people are supposed to be different. You I mean, it's just, it, that's the punk. 
yeah. actually living with that punk energy is like, okay, you're different and cool. Like it's accepting. Yeah. That person is, that does not affect my life. Why would I care? Yeah. Like it's not like, even though it's like, everyone care, okay. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I behaved and that's the London I grew up with, but also it's like, I grew up on a, in a block and in a state and it's just that kind of danger, that kind of excitement, that kind of like, everyone's funny. Everyone is up to a scheme. Everyone is, there's all these like, with like probably 95 doors and everyone, there's something happening. There's arguments, there's this, there's that. There's like, there's like people losing, people losing their kids to the system. People like winning the lottery because they, just, they won like 500 pound or they would, there's everyone, there's like, there's so much life. And also for me, it was like, you weren't defined by what you didn't have. And I feel like minute I moved, I got better grades and I went to a, a better school because I got better grades, better like I got, yeah, no, I got, I got good grades. And then what happens is I don't think the school was better. I think the school was like seen as better uh, or they allowed kids with, <laughs> with good grades in and they didn't allow kids with not good grades in. I then became aware that I was working class and that idea and, and that my identity was in, in conjunction to another class's identity and the whole class. And I was like, well, but once I, when I was in How it, old were you when, when that happened? 16, 17. Yeah. But before so that- That's a long time. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Now, before that, it was just like, everyone's in it. Yeah. No matter what race Would you, you say it was happy childhood? <laughs> I would say, Yes and no. I would say that like, um, it was happy, it was joyous, it was fun. And it was up to scheming, get it like, it makes you like, I think you get your early, like, all right, cool. How'd you play with this trolley? You know what I mean? And you learn how to just play with things around you. All right, cool. Throwing water bombs at like people running the streets and like, you know what I mean? It's like, but it's real life. Yeah. Like the blocks are filled with people that like, well, out in hostels, majority were single mothers and they've got a property. Do you know what I mean? And, and you kind of like getting yourself up and build yourself up. This is the reality of my block. And then you leave. I was really resentful of gentrification. And then in this process, I realized that the junction nature of London is London. The kind of people coming in and out, it's like, Oh, it's the Irish people. Then. That's what makes London, London. It's the Jamaicans. That cycle. Yeah, yeah. It's the Somalis. It's the, it's the Kosovans. It's the, there's a new wave. Come out. You come in, leave. I mean, it's, it, that whole thing about things are always supposed to stay the same. Holding on to that is hurting yourself. And it's just, it's supposed to move. <laughs> it's actually, I've worked hard to stay and then I realise everyone's moved. Yeah. So then what my fighting to stay for. This yeah. the place isn't the thing, it's the people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why this, it was exploring that nature when people say, no, nah, I'm staying, but then what's the reality of like, people go, oh, you should stay. But it's like, say if your kid doesn't feel safe, why the fuck are you staying? You mean, it's like- Of course. And that's, and people don't actually realize like, yo, this is real life, you mean? And I, and I wanted to kind of show the- Also, you didn't choose it originally. No. You just happened to be there. It's comfort, it's familiarity. Yeah. And it's whether, if you had, What's that I love now? And I, I put that in all the decisions I make in my life. It's like, if I started this now, would I decide, would we decide to do it this way? If not, yeah. for anything. You know what I mean? And it's that, like, I didn't choose to grow up where I 
grew up yeah. and then you got to a point where like, would I choose to stay in this block? Would I choose here? Probably not, but it's just what I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it's that. Tell me about your family. Grew up with my mum, my older sister. How much older? Uh, eight years. It's a long time. Yeah. And yeah, like from Uganda, they were both born there. So I was the only one that was born in England. Earlier you said people in your family didn't speak English? Obviously my mum, early years, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like, she came to England to give birth to me. Wow. So like it was, she learned English and in my life was yeah. a reflection of like, yeah. of that. Yeah. Do, you speak, do you speak Ugandan as no, well? No, I don't speak Ugandan, no. Like she spoke to me in English. Yeah. That was our thing. But so there's a lot of things that I'm not, I don't have access to, but I do have access to in the sense that I can understand certain things, but I like, I read body language and understand that that is a true language. And I, I take that in and I'll read tone. I'll listen to tone to really understand. So there's like, if I go to Uganda, there's, I have an auntie that doesn't speak English. I don't speak Luganda, we have a great time. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's yeah. not like, yeah. it's, it's not like that, but, um, but yeah, so my mom kind of started from nothing and kind of grew everything, yeah. Never met your dad? Did as a kid, and then he, he left my life, and then he passed away when I was real young. Mm-hmm. And then I, I didn't really have a relationship with him, no. Mm-hmm. An extended family, or just your mom moved? I had aunties, and I had cousins. In London? In London. I had family in London, and then basically it was like, um, it was cool when then I think, you know, family stuff happened, and then, I didn't really, you know, beef like in the family. And then so then I, we didn't really work cool anymore. Mm. So then it was just that kind of the nuclear element of our family by like post like nine, 10. Mm-hmm. But I've got cousins in London. I've got family in London. Was there music played in your house? Yeah. Lots like Boney M, ABBA. Mum loves ABBA. Mum loves Elton John, mum loves Queen, Michael Jackson. There's this, um, Ugandan artist called Philip, well, not an obituary, he's got this song called Born in Africa and a song called Entebbe. And then whenever I listen to it, it just triggers me and it's just such sweet music. Yeah. Like, and what's interesting about that time is like, no matter how much money you had, you had a great sound system. Everyone had a great sound system. And yeah, music was just everything. It was just like, it was always played, always played in my house. A lot of those guys. I love Abba, Abba's cold. Yeah trying to picture it. How tall are the buildings? So including ground. Yeah. Because you guys include, it's four. So it's three, we would say three, but it's four. Yeah. And only the top floor had uh, upstairs. Yep. And it wasn't like a high rise, but it was big. And you, you go on top floor, you can see down and you can see a great view of London. You can see all the buildings. If you're at the top floor, that's where I, I wrote, when I wrote the script, wrote this woman, Cynthia, uh, past RIP, she used to travel to Africa for half the year and then like allowed me to house it. And I would write there and she was at the top flat and I could see the whole of London whilst I was writing. Yeah. So it was a bit, it was a bit like that. You could see the view, not too high, but you could see it's a, it's a good Were view. the buildings that you were in the highest buildings in the area or as high as the highest buildings in the it's area? as high as the highest buildings. So there, were no, like, there were no like skyscrapers around you? No. No, it was just like kind of like medium-sized kind of like buildings around. 
<laughs> yeah, it wasn't really a skyscraper environment. <laughs> it was kind of the borderline of Camden and Island. It's kind of like, an, like I would say, like a no man's land. It kind of doesn't have a name, the area. Like, I think people call it Cantalos or St Pancras. And people, you, can, you can say it's Kentish Town, you can say it's Camden. It's like, you could say it's like near Market Road. It's this like a kind of like near Cali Road. It was, near, it was just this area, but there was not a lot of high rises. And there was like this amazing AstroTurf pitches at Market Road that everyone would play games in. And so like the best footballers around the area would go there and all these teams would go there. We'd go there to play games, but there was, and it was a block across the road. It was a petrol station there. And it was like, um, it was a park down the road, yeah. No, it wasn't, there weren't no, there weren't no high rises there like that, no. Have you ever done any kind of therapy? Yeah. Is it helpful? Yeah, man. To, to kind of, a, lot, a lot's happened in my head. I've experienced a lot, I've seen a lot. So it's good to let it out, to kind of like, work on not judging myself and really strengthen that muscle in me and like acceptance and having and then essentially someone to partner up to accept things you know what i'm saying and going all right cool let's accept that and seeing seeing it is that something that I, I did as opposed to who i am and knowing that i did that that's not me you know what i mean i think it gave i the point of view, I fuck with a point of view. And it allowed me to kind of like grow and see things how they are and accept and believe. It's like a bit like we see believe is an ugly word. If someone's like, it's that way inclined, go, I believe you. you, that is that. And then you act accordingly. The conflict comes from not believing, yeah. resisting in that acceptance. So I think it's helped me with that. Have you done therapy? I have. Have you done all different kinds? Mm-mm-mm. And it's interesting. Mm-mm-mm. I remember the first time I did therapy, I didn't, I didn't know how I felt about anything, and I didn't know how to talk about it at all. Like mm-hmm. it was uh, really difficult at first. Did you see that your art as therapeutic or cathartic, or what? How did you see it at the time, and how do you see it now in that area? Art, your, your, your creation, your creating. I think it's always therapeutic. It always feels good, but it's it feels good because it's the there's nothing there and then there's something there and it's something you like that's cool. It's a great feeling. And when it goes from not good to good, it's a great feeling like that. The moment when it shifts from this kind of amorphous, mediocre thing into something you really care about, that's a great feeling. It's an addictive feeling. How is uh, performing comedy different than performing drama? Or is it different? I'm really happy that I started out doing comedy because I think it's made me a stronger dramatic actor because it, you know the importance of rhythm. Rhythm is what I feel makes something funny and pockets um, and placement. And for me, I feel drama is less rigid. I see laughing is dancing. There's a tune that you can say that people won't even understand me. Like I've, I've done it before when people don't understand the words and that can trigger a laugh in someone. Just through the rhythm of the Through the rhythm, because it. that's what I found. It's like you're signaling this is funny. You do, it doesn't even matter what the words are. That, and then allows you to place what's being said in a different place within someone. Yeah. And I think when drama is, 
having a bit less control. And I've never really thought about this, so I, I probably will have a, a much a different answer when I leave and I come back. But I do, I do think that I do do rhythmic things in drama because there is certain pockets that you think, but I'm just less um, beholden to the result. Yeah. There's also a different, the feedback mechanism in comedy is immediate. People mm -hmm. laugh or they don't. Mm -hmm. Whereas in drama, can you always know when it's landing? You can feel if people are listening, mm -hmm. if people are leaning in. It was that Luther Vandross quote they said to Chris Rock, he was like, anyone can make an audience scream, but can you help make them quiet? And I feel like, um, in drama, there's a there's a thing that like there's a there's a there's a kind of like that you're kind of searching for. There's like an emptiness in the space that you are searching for when you are saying things, and it comes with like a fearlessness of getting straight to what you mean, and maybe that creates a a vibe or something like that. that there's a sound that I am searching for that just happens. And it's not necessary to do with what people say. Because when I'm set, everyone's at work that, that's watching what you do. They focus on something else. So it's a sound that's away from that. There's an emptiness, that there's a, there's a silence that you're looking for that allows them to know that you're in an in a interesting place that you can keep going in. It sounds great. <laughs> that sounds like a great place to be. No, it's very, um, so say as if when I did the crying scene in Get Out, there was some place that we went to, me and Catherine, that meant that it was like, we're in here and people are too scared to move. Or it's the equivalent of like, someone's on the floor, they've dislocated their shoulder. Fuck, you want to help, but anything you do, hesitate that like hesitation that like cautiousness is what's created i think mm -hmm. it's the only way i could describe it right now in this current room yeah it's a very palpable alive space you're describing there's a void in it is what it sounds like there's space in it yeah it sounds great it's like people move out the way yeah and i let the person just just give them space it's interesting because it, it will make the audience lean in, but anyone around there will lean out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then they just create it more space for you. Then it allows it to grow out more. I think that's the void. It's like a void that is collectively people just allowing it to grow. That I, I can sometimes feel when you're in those spaces in their moments. It sounds mystical. Yeah, I, well, it's mysterious. You're like, you, you can't, it's like, it can't be articulated. It's to be felt. It's like, you can't describe how you dance. You don't describe why you dance. There's things that are just out of the remit of vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And I think we're so rigid in the sense that if you can't describe it, then it doesn't exist. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually crazy. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, actually, there's just stuff that you're not supposed to. And I think I, my family just being more like less, less, less Western in thinking. Mm -hmm. That's what world I grew up in is that. That's what it is. That's the, you actually accept that, you know it's that. And you, you know that's real. You don't question it, you don't even interrogate it. 
It's just there. It does not there to be articulate. You accept that. That's what, and that's what it was when I was doing improv. When I wanted, when I was doing dramatic, I wanted people to be scared to talk. People watching, they're scared to cough. They're scared to disrupt that moment. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. There's a nervousness that that dramatic, and I think comedy allows is a release. Yeah, they're wow. almost opposites what, from what you're saying, because the comedy is a, is an energy out, and the drama is more of an energy in. Yeah, it's like contain, contain. Yeah. Yeah. I take it all there. It's really exciting. Yeah, and then that that creates a kind of ooh, ooh. I realize that I kind of create, I sometimes I'll create that space before the take to make it easier to come through, especially if I'm in pressur pressurized situations where I have to hit it yeah. on this one take. I'll create, I'll create that I move mean, before, let's like, say they were rolling and, and then they say action and I just won't do anything. If I'm leading the act first thing, I won't do anything until I feel it. Then I'll go, as opposed to using the scene to create it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what, that was the, that's what my experience has taught me. It's just like, it's the guy and I go when I say we go. And it go when it hits and it fills and then you're just in the space. Because when everyone's silent and waiting, that uncomfortability. It creates, it creates it itself. Creates it itself. And so then you're able, yeah. able to just, it's able to come to, it's just way easier. Yeah. That's when I'm like, I've got one take left. <laughs> you got to do it. Yeah. You have to control the space. It's also patience sounds like such a key piece of the process of being comfortable waiting. Yeah. It's audacity. That's another thing about it. It's audacity is being silently audacious. Yeah, it shows confidence. Yeah. Do you think of yourself as a spiritual person? Yeah, I do. My mum brought me up in the church. Maybe read the Bible every night. I'd read Psalm and Proverbs. And I think ingesting that every night meant I knew things. Like I remember I would say certain things like at school. And I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? No one spoke to me about that. And you're like, I think I believe ingesting to believe something and then but you know what it is? I don't actually know what the word spiritual means. <laughs> I can't lie, I kind of like, people say it, yeah? But I'm, I think I'm in a place where like, what does that even mean? Like, I think I know what religious means. I don't believe I'm a religious, because mm -hmm. I don't go to church every Sunday. I don't, but spirit is kind of, what, do you, what does it mean to you? I feel like it's, uh, you feel connected to something larger than yourself. Yeah, I would say that. I would say that then, if that's the, if that's the, what's being said, I would say that there's, I would say that if I thought about my life and my career, I wouldn't get here. And I feel like I'm being used and things are coming through me. That is straight up spirituality right oh, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, spiritual. Cool. I think, yeah, hundred percent. I think like um, a lot of the things that I've done have come to me and have come through me. I've not been premeditated. Yeah. I think I come from a lot of faith. What would they say? Um, Delusion is faith without God. And I feel that, yeah, I think, I do think there's more than, 
what people say makes sense doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> it, that's what it is, it's like what logically makes sense doesn't really make sense in the stuff that I've seen and the stuff that's happened in my life and the stuff that's happened in other people's lives. And I do think that it's like, I do, I'm a firm believer, like you are, anyone that's in your life is a reflection of you in some way, shape or form, whether you want to see it or not, because why does it stick? And so, yeah, in that regards, yeah, I do, I do, I do believe, do believe. What, what does spirituality mean to you? A sense of connection, a sense that there's more, that we're not doing this ourselves. There's, there's a bigger thing going on and we're participants or uh, vehicles for something larger. Yeah. I think most creative people can't help but feel it. You know, it's like it comes, it's in the territory of what we do, mm. that we experience these things that rationally don't always make sense. Yet we watch these things unfold in the same way that you told the story about when you were pointing and your friends couldn't see the thing that you were seeing and then you showed it to them by doing it. It's that same idea, the fact that you can recognize something that other people can't see. I think that's a form of a spiritual practice. Yeah. I know I've been gifted a level of sight in things. Yeah. Is it the nature of the story or is it the embodiment that gets into you beyond work? I don't think it's an embodying. It's like, a, it's the intention. So it's the nature of the story. And it's the beyond work is like, um, what I interpret, my interpretation of that would be like, right beyond, like in your life, if we're looking at the story like Get Out, right? I see when Get Out happened, what happened was there was, was an avatar of a lot of people's feelings that they never knew that they had. And so I would walk on the street and black women would come and hug me and leave. Just leave, not even say nothing. Hug me, some would cry. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? And I think the strength of that narrative that Jordan built and the fact that I embodied it meant that people were receiving me as that parable, as that idea, as that concept. And then you are basically in the center of an idea, that nature that's been built around you. And because you embodied the nature that was around you, therefore everything is now projected upon you. You know what I mean? And that sort of energy and being in different positions because I do think story and narratives is like formation in the, in the sports being in different positions in the narrative so you feel a villain you're like in a different sort of things if you're like a supporting character you're in a different position people then receive you different as a product of that embodiment essentially and the, the nature of the narrative and the art that you were expressing do you know what I'm saying and, uh, and it's just something that moved to you that litters in your life is one thing I've interpreted. How would you say success is different than you would have, have imagined it? <laughs> People see you less. People see you less. See you less, yeah. There's a difference between success and recognition. Yeah. They're two different concepts. That's one thing I've realized. Success is like you're part of a team, it's that you're up, this is that you have. People want to be aligned with success. If you are recognized, 
then a lot is projected upon you. A lot of people's insecurities and fears, and then you are then now like someone to be projected upon. Yeah. As opposed to a person. Yeah. But what it does, it gives me more insight into them. And what I would say, you see how people saw you. <laughs> because it's something shifted. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you see what they care about. You see, but you you know that you're not being seen in that sense. One time, I went to Oscar, yeah, and then I went to a party after, yeah, for a party for Judas and stuff, whatever, okay. And it was the only time I've walked around with the Oscar. That shit is powerful. That is a powerful object. People are moved by it. I was, I was like, I'm holding something crazy. It's, it's not even, I, I, it's hard to even describe. I was just like, I'm, I'm holding something that people just like, what the fuck? So much is like, and you're, you disappear. Yeah. But you are now, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I live that because I've won it and so yeah. people have their attitudes of it. But yeah. then I think that was the only time I really saw it clearly because I had it in my hand. Yes. And it was like, whoa, like, and so success for me has made me have to confront things in myself and like um, to stay safe, to be clear and to keep creating. I have to let go of things to grow and, and still do what I do because it's just an, ex it's an exasperator. It's just it turns the volume up to 11 in every department. And I had to learn the skill in facing things and being direct in my communications. I can't be as internal as I've been. That is no longer beneficial, do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and um, yeah, so success is, it's a, it's a wild, and I don't even think I've kind of really gone into it and like really engaged with the spoils of it because it happened later in my 20s. <laughs> Like 27, 28, and done that level, but like it was, um, it's a lot to. Um, I've seen a lot. Yeah, and it's strange. It's odd. Yeah, it's odd, man. Yeah, like it's. It, um, it doesn't feel natural. Nah, I know I wanted to be successful because I was like, "What's the point of doing something?" Other, yeah. I was always like that since the very beginning, but I just didn't. I didn't really think of all the sides of it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's what makes you go there. Because mm -hmm. if you really thought about all the sides of it, you probably wouldn't go there. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and it just becomes a thing. Yeah. It's not necessarily anything better. It's just now this thing that you have to deal with all the sides of. But it, it means that there's a certain group of people that means that you, you're not as human as you once was. Because you now have that success, therefore your life is your problems aren't really real problems. They're not going to receive it like that because of, you know I mean? And you have a different set of problems. Like when you're making something when you're young, stakes are low. Mm -hmm. Now, when you make something, a lot of people can see it. And now it, it's much more vulnerable position 100%. to be in yeah. because there's an expectation that wasn't there before. Yeah. I ha I've had to really strengthen my fearless muscle. Yeah. The more successful I've got. Yeah. I've had to really be like, an, and actually is way more exposing, way more vulnerable, way more. And um, I've had to like learn how to manage that. 
How did you meet Jordan? The Zoom. Or Skype. It was Skype back in the day. He'd watched Black Mirror. This Black Mirror episode I did. Did like, it's nearly 12 years ago I did that. And um, he, he saw that. And he was like, I got this script. I'm sending it to you, you know. So he, no, already, no, he, sent, he already had the script. No, he had a script. He sent me the script. And then I said, and I said, and I, what was at that time, I was reading the script today. I was just reading my favorite films because I was right in the kitchen. I was learning how to write, like self-taught like that. So I was just reading the script today. And what I realized in that process, I learned what I liked. And that was invaluable. So when this script came in, I wasn't acting. I stopped acting for like a year and a half. And then I, the script came in, I was like, that. What the fuck is that? A lot of people on my team didn't understand what it was. Mm -hmm. They were like, whatever. And I went to Jordan and was like, bruv, you know. You understand. You've done the work. I know you know. And he's like, yeah. And he knew he knew. He knew yeah. me. Like, and then I was like, this is, this is a thing. He's like, yep. And then like, and then that was the first time I spoke to him. And then Sicario came out. It's the week of Sicario. I was in LA, came out and then, um, I was just in LA, I was like, it's wise for me to be here to see, see what it comes. And then um, the Get Out audition was around that time. And I auditioned for it, and the first time I met him in person. And he was just really supportive of me and my ideas, not my ideas, my, like me. He believed in what I could do. And then I did the, the crying scene in the audition, and another other scene, I think the scene by the lake. And I think he was like, yep, yeah, got roll in the room. But then I was kind of like, I've had that before. So I was like, I'm not going to believe it. Cause it's just like, it's just too heartbreaking to, like, to actually believe in and then it doesn't work out. So yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Then he met up with me again and he spoke to me about his philosophy and his ideas and how he saw cinema and film and remember that. And then I kind of was like, and it was my first lead role in a film. So I was like asking questions about what you want? This is Daniel. But yeah, that's how we first met. What was it that spoke to you when you read the script? I felt that shit, man. I felt like it. I felt like it, man. I was so angry, bro. I was so angry in that early stage of my life. And I think I, I stopped acting for a year and a half. And I, and I remember I knew, I said, anything I do next, I'ma go crazy. I got so much shit in me. Wow. And then like, I was so full. And then it came and I was like, wow, this is, what I've realized is not a lot of things allow you to give everything. And I was like, well, this is the space for me to give everything. And it was so angry and so concise and so articulate about its anger. And it was so, it was anger that is like, I think that like 85% of the film is repressed anger, which I think is so honest. And the straight laced nature of just having to like, you know, be polite to accommodate for others' feelings when people are not accommodating for yours. And how that pressure cooker goes over the top. But usually it's the, the real anger is that the fact that you let it happen. I felt that in the script. Allowing yourself to be betrayed and believing in things that hurt you. I felt that. And I felt the kind of like, this shit is entertaining with it. Because for me, if it's not entertaining, what's the point? I don't think I'm here for that. To just make things as a piece of visceral art. 
I enjoy things like that, but I don't think I'm here to make things like that. I think there's loads of people that can do that. For me, it has to be digestible to people that don't understand cinema in a deep way. Because I'm not in communion, I'm not communicating with them. That's my friends. Like I used to back in the day watch French films with my friends and then ask them what they think. And some of them, and then I would understand what they like and what they don't mm -hmm. like. So that's how the script made me feel. How is acting in a movie different than acting in front of an audience? Acting in the film is quieter. You're like seducing the camera. You're like, well, I, I choose to like come in, come to me. You can do that on stage. And there's elements you do that on stage, but the fundamental things, if you're on a certain level of fit, you have to be heard by the someone at the back. So there's a level of projection that means you're going to. But also the contract's different. People are leaving their house, paying a ticket, and they understand to see you in person and they they are believing that you're not you and like so not all the time that the set's always there it's like there's a level of imagination that a theater audience needs that they come with you on while there's a level of um in film there's a level of everything is real this is the world and this is happening and everything's like and when it's not there like oh why is that not there but if someone then <laughs> double if someone is like 24 and they're playing the baby you're not going, why is a 24-year-old playing a baby? You're just accepting that. Yeah. That's the form and that's the style. There's just a different contract. I think on stage, you're the editor. And so you're carrying the arc and you're managing the arc. That's a big point. I think that's a big point. Yeah, with the decisions that you've made with the director in the rehearsal period. Yeah. And whilst in film, you're, I feel like what I do, I see acting as helping someone say something. And I'm giving you all these different ingredients and spices and styles into the stew. So when you go and make your stew, go, oh, I like that. I like that one. And then boom, you can pick what you want. That's your choice. Do you know I mean, I'm not part of that process. Do you typically ask directors a lot of questions or no? When I don't understand something, when if I feel something doesn't make innate sense. I think there's a lot of time it's like a lot of the scenes have been written for the scene. And I'm a firm believer, like, what is this scene interrupting? This person's gonna do something. So this scene happens and it's got to interrupt. So it, he's not coming into the scene to do the scene. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I feel like that, I feel like I will ask 10 million questions because fundamentally I'm like, this doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense, yeah. But if I, if I believe in it, I'm not gonna ask questions. I'm just, I just believe, I trust. It's written well, cool, let's go. How important is it for you to believe the characters you're playing. What, believe in what they say and believe yeah. in what they believe. It's important for me to, to believe that they believe it. Yeah. If I don't feel they believe it, then I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. And if they is, believe it, you believe it because that's your... Yeah, it's like, it's true them. to them and then you can find why it's true. You know what I'm saying? It's like they believe, even if it doesn't serve them. It's made me move away from good and bad. Yeah. And go towards what serves you, what doesn't. Yeah. And people believe in things that don't serve them, creating negative realities for them. But they believe all the in time. It. Yeah, exactly. All the time. But they believe in it. Yeah. And then there's a conviction to it. And I, I got to know if they believe in it. Yeah. It's like a self-limiting belief. Yeah. How often does your understanding of a character change over time? Like from the time you start a movie till the time you finish a movie, are you 100% that person before the first day of shooting? 
Or does it evolve over it the course? It does evolve. You go into different scenes and you're there. Like I remember there's one time I played someone and then you're walking in the scene and then you're talking and you're like, oh, this guy fucks a lot of girls. Just because the way he's, the way, I engaged, the way I engaged with yeah. this woman and this, I was like, oh, like, if you're like this and you're going to indulge. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? That wasn't something I thought about before, but it was in the scene. It was like, oh, and then it changed how then I engaged with everything else after that. It's really interesting. You know I mean, it's like you could just find things and go, oh, shit, this is real. But you need the experience to reveal the character. You can't, you can't, it's, it's, the character's not just something you've made by yourself. Like the same way, like you find out or I find about, out by myself with someone. Sometimes you need someone there to kind of reflect and go, oh, shit, oh, yeah, that, oh, I do think that. I don't know why I felt like that about dramatic acting. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's this, you know, Before Sunset, <laughs> um, this film, Ethan Hawke is in it. And the, but the woman in the film is basically saying, she, they were asking like, what's God? And then basically she was like, between us, it's what exists between connection, essentially. I think that when I'm acting, it's like, if you're true and present, you find think more things. That's why I don't come in there with too much preconceived notions and, and thoughts, because it's going to reveal more to you if you have less in the door. It also makes sense that the character probably knows less about themselves. People don't study themselves. Mm -hmm. They just do what they yeah. do. And also, I have an awareness on him. He doesn't have the awareness. So it would be incorrect for me to play that awareness mm -hmm. that I've discovered. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to action it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use it in a slight look. And someone that has been exposed to a man like that goes, uh-oh, <laughs> I know what that is. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's something like Widows, right? Widows, I played a, essentially a murderer. And it's not that he's scary. That's not, he, I just didn't play it scary. I played it with a lot of love. But it's the fact that he's bored. That's what makes it scary. Because then how many murders has he done? The fact that he's creative. He's made new ways. How'd you get there? It's the kind of the office nature of it makes it go, what the fuck? And then the mind goes, but he's not aware that he's, he thinks that's really normal and that's what makes it even scarier. Yeah. He thinks it's very normal. Like, this is what, what else would I do? <laughs> I mean, it's like that mentality is what is like, whoa, you are down a street that not a lot of people touch. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that, not necessarily going, what they say is a Hitchcock thing. It's not the, the terror is not in the bang, it's in the anticipation of it. Yeah, it's the bomb that's hidden under the table that the audience knows about and the characters don't. Yeah. And it, you mean it? And, and, yeah. and it's just about knowing that something could happen, but not knowing what could. And it's about that, just know. The, I, what I played with, I was, he wasn't aware that he's, he doesn't think, he doesn't think it's bad. That's what's scary. Yeah. He thinks he's doing the right thing. And it's like, how do you get to that belief? And go, yeah, whatever, cool. And then just carry on reading a book after. That is the fact that it doesn't affect you means that what have you seen as a kid? That was a fictitious character, yes. Mm -hmm. Do you look for real world references, not even necessarily like that? Like, do you 
see someone who has a certain mannerism and think, oh, I could use that mannerism in this character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in Widows, like, I don't, I'm not saying what he's done was, I, I, like, a lot of it was, like, in one scene was Beanie Siegel. And I saw this video of Beanie Siegel when I was younger, I was 16, and it popped in mind of him, Petey Crack, was rapping. And then Beanie Siegel was just listening to him. But how close he was listening to him, man goes, that's odd. He didn't understand personal space in that moment. And then we go, what's that? And I think I'll see certain things and go, what's that? Majority of the time, that's like a rare occasion. Majority of the time is people that I've seen and people I've been exposed to. And there's an energy that like, just in real life that I go, I've seen that energy and I know that energy. And then you, I want, I want real life in the film. So it's people that I've actually met or people that I've been around and people that I've seen and people that I've like spoken to because I think like the truth is way weirder. Yeah, and it's the only way you can really get those. Like you say, people are so strange that if you make it up, it won't be as strange as what they're really like. No, you'd be too limiting. Yeah. You would go, how do you like, it's like this, and it's more of an attitude. I remember one time there was, um, I was in research for Kitchen, and then like this guy, He's kind of like, he was in the game, he's been in the game, he's done a lot. And then I asked him one time, I was like, yo, sometimes when I see certain guys and you just know they, they're on stuff, you know they've, they've done something, and you know something crazy will happen. I said, what is that? And what he, how he articulated it was like, it's when they've done something they can never forgive themselves for. He's like, it's like if they robbed their grand. I mean, it's not like a, if they've done something that they're like, that they had to do, they just can't face themselves. Right. So they're just like, well, fuck it. Bets are off. They've gone over the threshold. Yeah. You mean? Where it could be as minor or as big. Yeah. They've violated something that they didn't want to violate. They've under, like, it's that, what that builds and what that grows into someone, what that explores, what that matures. Yeah. I find that interesting like certain decisions and what you've realized about your character. I want that essence in all characters I play and, and make. You said you were doing research. What does research look like for you? Conversations, listening to conversations, reading, like dissertations, reading around. Actually, I go places and I'll sit in a place and I'll research in the place. So I'll like rent a, pl a spot and I'll be in the environment and I would read and I'm in it and I could just go out in the day, come back at, in like four, five, six, have my food and then just in it. And it's, it's not, it's always about like being in the space. And you just pick up like subtle cues of what it's like. You get nuances and little, it's the nuance, it's the details that make people believe for me. Mm. It's just like you see the people that it's, you want to know, you want to articulate the things that people don't even know about themselves that they can't, they're not able to, they don't even know they have it. Mm. That's what you're looking for. Mm. And that's what's real. And having something and not knowing you have something makes the character fuller. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like those little nuanced stories, how they behaved around certain kind of people, how they, or the, the light, where do they play? What do they love? Who do they love? No matter what they've done and what the character, who do they love and what, where's the love in this? in whatever they do, where's the love in this? And I think once 
I find that then it becomes intimate. Yeah. It's like certain scenes you're like, oh, what? it becomes voyeuristic. I was going to say, are we just all hungry for intimacy? So that's why it feels so good when you see a, a great intimate performance? I think intimacy is very satisfying. And a, a, an evolution in intimacy as well. I think it's very satisfying. From what I know right now, I can't, hmm. I'm open. But like, um, I think, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think that is, um, honesty is intimate. I want to say something like, truth is what happened, honesty is how you feel about what happened. That's what I've learned how to be more honest. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? That's how so I feel honesty like. doesn't have right or wrong associated with it because it's how you feel. All it is is how you feel. Yeah, and, but you're saying, you're saying both sides of it. Yeah. You're talking about the bit when you was the victor and the bit that you weren't the victor. Yeah. You're being honest. Yeah. Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's like you're being full, like you're going, oh, and that person is, oh man, this person is, is vulnerable. And it allows intimacy to, 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 to grow. And I feel like um, sometimes when I find out in audience, when audiences laugh, it's not funny. It's people recognize the honesty. Mm-hmm. It's a recognition of like, oh, I feel like that too. But I never say it. Can you be more honest or vulnerable in a performance than you can in real life? Is that possible? Yeah. Yeah? Of course. Yes. Uh, that's what I've That's been... fascinating. Yeah. Like I say, the contract is pretense. So you can expose more of yourself. Because there's almost no repercussions. But what happens is, is that then there has to be a point where you actually do that for yourself, though. And not just do that for money. Or do that for career trajectory. Or do that for like validation you're doing it just because you want to do it and yeah. because it's the true thing to do and it's about and now you know how to do it like now you're you're a professional at doing that mm. do you know what i'm saying it's like that's a incredible skill set to be good at and the fact that that it's not required for you to have done it in your life to be able to do it it's a great gift to yourself to be able to now do it based on the skills that you've built yeah, yeah, outwardly. Yeah. But I think it, I didn't feel safe to. Yeah. Beforehand, probably. Yeah. In myself. Like, I haven't acted since 2021 because I realized that I'm giving too much to these characters. Mm. And I'm like, and actually, it's actually now going to do the opposite effect. I'm going to be more withdrawn, more withdrawn if I don't actually just be real as myself. You know what I mean? And just do it for myself yeah. and be real. I think I, I, I wanted to be more honest. And just for me in myself, like not like for money, not for like career, not for like for anything else. It's just like, yo, in private, in the dark. Yeah. Am I real? Are you real? In yeah. the dark. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because then that always will come out. That will, and it becomes easier as opposed to engineering it. Uh-huh. And having a, this is a safe space because what happens is when you become more successful, you do it less. Yeah, I used to do acting every week, three times a week. I do it once every few years now. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, it's not like yeah. so you don't have the. And do you miss it, or when you're not doing it? I miss the old version of it. Yeah, because you're just doing it to play. Right. You're just doing it to explore. You're just wondering. You just and there's no, there's no result. To it. There's no point to it. There's Is just there any just... version of it that you could do now that has no stakes, just for fun, 
that you could do just to get to do it? I could do, I could create a space, but I do feel like it, the space that was created then was just, it was reflective of the time as well. And I feel like it was a time when I never was honest and never was. And it was just a complete kind of like, I'm able to exercise all these emotions in this space. You know what I mean? And, and um, I was like a teenager. And I feel like um, I've grown as an artist that I think it would be quite indulgent that I wouldn't enjoy it. I, like, I, I think now I've got to a different place, a more transcendent place when like, I'm doing it for something bigger than me. Yeah. Doing it to serve something. Yes. Like doing it to serve a piece, to serve an idea, to serve. And I think that getting to that place is just more enriching and rewarding, genuinely than just exploring and playing and doing it. It's just a different, you just moved. Understood. You know I mean, it's like going back to your old school. It's pretty yeah. small now. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just that there's people, there's just, and that's, um, if I created that environment, I would have to create the time because the time was as important as me yeah. and the space. Yeah.